Praise the Lord. This was my teaching night. It was supposed to be the teaching night. Lee was on slate, you know, to teach. But we got an email from Robin earlier in the week and saying that, you know, she had a really great message that she thought that needed to come out. So Jean said, you know, talk it over with her. Well, weeks before that, she had already sent me the revelation God was giving her. And it was really good. So I pulled it up, looked it over, and, you know, God has really moved through Robin in such a great way. I mean, the changes in Robin's life and everything where she's come on, she's just done a great job. So let's give her all just a nice little hand clap. <laughs> Encouragement, because the moment, she, the moment she recognized she had to get this message out, you know what happens? The enemy comes in and attacks like crazy. You know what I mean? And she has had victory in this area. So I'm just honoring you, Robin. <laughs> Praise God. Can we turn down the lights just a little bit? Just the, well, just kind of lower the lights down a little bit because before I go into this message, I just want to, you know, I want to take the time and I want to, I want to pull on God just for another second because what the Lord has really given me about this specific topic is very near and dear to God's heart. It's a very weighty subject. And so, you know, Lee was right. I came in and I felt the attack of the enemy because the revelation is so heavy. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't in the flesh giving this. So I just want to, again, turn up the music a little bit. I want to pull on God. And then we're going to pray, and I'm going to go ahead and go into the teaching, okay? I give you glory, God. Father God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in this place. Let no corrupt word come from my mouth. Let the meditation of my heart and the words from my lips go directly to your throne, Father God, that it would be edifying and building up the people. Let there be a building up of the people, Father, so that they may know your love for them and that they may learn to step in the true purpose of their calling, Father. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in the in the matchless name of Jesus. Um, okay, so this is called, What Do You Honor? Let's go ahead and put up Revelations 4, 10, and 11. Praise God. Praise God. Revelation 4, 10, and 11. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. What are we honoring? 
Psalms 96, 6 through 8. Praise God. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. What is honor? We glorify, we make splendid. We show somebody that we honor them by placing them above ourselves. This is right along the lines of love. You know, and I found out the, the definition of love as I'm maturing is laying the life, laying your own life down for the advancing of the kingdom in somebody else's life. Laying your life down so that somebody else might rise into the calling of their purpose. Psalms 8, 4 through 5 and 6. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Do you see the relation here? We give God the glory, and we give him the honor. And he honors us by giving us dominion over the works of his hands. That means that anything that the enemy tries to place in our way, we already have dominion over. I want to point something else out. It says, you know, back to five, it says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Angels have direct contact with God. They have the direct communication with God. Now us as saints through the born again experience have that same direct contact with God. So again, going back to the things that we say, you know, that I said come against us, we already have dominion, but it's not by what we see around us. It's by pulling on that communication with God. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. This is so beautiful. You know, the way that the, way that the Lord had really laid this out is so beautiful because it's not only showing you how you can overcome the enemy, but how you can step into divine communication with God and get closer and closer to him. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, there, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is so beautiful because, you know, I like how you've always heard Gene and Lee say, you can't be obedient to something you don't know. 
And it says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I have this situation in my life right now. I don't know what's going on. Who am I turning to? I'm not turning to this person over here. I'm not turning to that person over there. I'm turning to God because he is the one with the answer that I need. What do we honor? Our view of honor is so backward. We honor the things of the world and we do it without even realizing it. We do it by carrying worries, concerns, depression, guilt, shame, and we're building up the kingdom of darkness by giving in to that feeling that we have. We are either honoring the things of God or the things of the world. Proverbs 3, 9. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. If you honor the Lord with what you have, you won't have to worry about the things that you don't have. Especially when you're stepping into the purpose of your calling, you're taking a step and the provision is there. As you're hearing what the Lord is telling you, you're stepping into the provision that is there. Because He's not going to tell you to go somewhere that He has not already been. Matthew 16, 15 through 18. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus is saying, the provision is already there. I'm not telling you to go where I haven't already been, where I haven't provided for you. It's so awesome because you see the redemption of God that goes beyond the flesh. Have you ever been in a position to where, I was in a position to uh, the other day where I didn't know what else to do. I was so it's hard to explain the way that I felt the other day. And it, I'm looking to the left. I'm looking to the right. There's nobody there. And I got into my little corner. I said, God, what would you have me do? And you hear the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always brings back to your remembrance. Worship. <laughs> okay. Letting you know that uh, if you're feeling the weight of the world come down on you, it means that you haven't been in worship the way that you need to. And I can tell you that because I experienced it firsthand. Uh, you know, and not to say that, you know, you, you read in the word and there's all this stuff that you can do, but it doesn't compare with the personal time that you spend with God. It doesn't even have to be music. Sometimes to bring myself back to zero, I sit and I think about the sovereignty of God and I think about the holiness of God and that enough 
is just to carry me and give me the peace that I need to keep going through the day because nothing else does it. This is what is so awesome. Um, This is what the Lord told me. What you believe, you honor. What you honor, you will worship. What you worship, your world becomes. This is beautiful because... What you believe, you honor. What you honor, you will worship. What you worship, your world becomes. That is heavy because when the Lord gave that to me, it was it was so awesome because I was I thought to myself, if I go to the store, I, I'm I'm a couponer. I'm not really a couponer, but I'm just saying, for instance. I have a coupon, I'm a couponer, and I look into the Walmart coupons, whatever, which is crazy because they hardly ever have coupons, but uh, I look in there and it says exclusively at Walmart, 35 cents off of something that's already 35 cents, which is basically free, right? Well, at another place, they have the same thing, but it's 25 cents, so you don't really need the coupon, but you just like the sound of it's free. So you're going to this place, to Walmart, out of your way to get something that was already cheaper somewhere else. When you do this, you're discounting yourself what God is trying to do in that specific area. That's what it means. And what I mean when I say that is we only buy into what we think we deserve. Meaning, God has already set up our lot. And we get messed up trying to get somebody else's lot. You honor with your words. Your words shape your world. Proverbs 18.21, we know this, we know by heart. (sighs) Praise God. I'm going to put a different spin on this. um, That's what is so awesome because you know what? God doesn't want us to see things the same way we used to see them before. It's not about the church anymore. It's about one person connecting to another saying, I've been there. Let me lift you up to God so that you can get there too. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Again, worship. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Have you ever heard that term, hurting people hurt people? Yes, hurting people hurt people, but you don't understand that they're hurt until after you're hurt. Why do we get hurt by people? I love this. Todd White said, if somebody said something that hurt you, it's because they didn't know who they were when they said it to you. But if you received it, it's because you didn't know who you were when you got it. It was so powerful because, you know, we're, we're running around and we're saying, this person hurt me, this person hurt me, this person hurt me. It's not them. It's the spirit behind the hurt. I mean, it's the, it's the spirit of hurt behind that person. You have to know that, you know, 
People don't intentionally say something to hurt you, but it's something that's in the back of their mind, that spot that they have of unforgiveness or hurt or shame that they're feeling. And it comes from the back that they have no idea. And they say something to you because their words have shaped their world. They honor what they learned in the past. And that's what I like about the forgiveness of Christ. It says, though your sins were like scarlet, they are now white as wool. So that means that that sin, that hurt that you experienced, you don't have to stay in it. Honoring God is about the intent of the heart, not the size of the fruit. Genesis 4, 3 through 8. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. I'm going to stop right there. Before this offering was even made, there was already contention between Abel and Cain. Because Cain knew that his parents loved him. Cain knew that Abel spent time with God and Cain didn't spend time with God. And so there was already contention between the two. Because if you you see here, it says an offering of the fruit of the ground. Cain wasn't spending time because if he was spending time, then he would give God the full intent of his heart. It wouldn't be just the fruit of the ground. It would be the first fruit of the ground. So you see the firstborn of the flock. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. He was already telling Cain, the choice is yours. Change the intent of the heart. Now Cain talked with Abel and his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Jealousy is a bad thing. And you know, some of the things that I've been, I've been having crazy dreams this week. And you know what the theme of it is? God is a jealous God. He would have no other gods before him. The problem is we place too much expectation on people. People cannot gain you access into heaven. And likewise, they can't deny you entrance. We should be aiming to please the one who sent us, not the ones who are here. When we are hurt by a person, it is homage that we're paying to them and not God. You are paying something to someone they don't deserve, be it praise or condemnation. When you do this, you put yourself to be the seat of the judge. John 5, 22 through 23. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. 
He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Can you put that in the amplified version? That's awesome, but I, I really want to break this down because in this context, you don't really understand what it's saying. Even the Father judges no one, for he has given all judgment, the last judgment, and the whole business of judging entirely into the hands of the Son, so that all men may give honor, reverence, homage to the Son, just as they give honor to the Father. In fact, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. We think about Jesus, and you know, it's, we don't talk about it as nearly as often as we need to. You know, you see the, the, you know, the, the franchise version of, you know, the, the glory of the passion of the Christ. You see all this stuff, but do you feel it? You know, you have this stuff. It's so, what, what do you call it? Hollywood eyes. I don't, I don't even know how to say it. You know, it's so, such a grand gesture. Oh, Jesus was beaten. All this happened. He raised from the dead. Glory to God. No. That's not what it's about because just seeing it is not believing it. You don't know what the resurrection of Christ is like until you have died to that sin that you're carrying. God is so awesome because I think, and I think it, I mean, it's so crazy because, you know, as I try to step, it's a daily thing to step into the purpose of your calling. You get out of bed and the devil is there. You lay your head down and the devil is there. He's looking for that weak spot and he knows where it is and he's waiting for opportunity. God is so awesome because when we have the ability of that divine communication with God and we pull onto it, the devil cannot touch us. It's like we're stepping and the devil's right behind us trying to catch up to where we're going. And we don't see that because when daddy's out doing his work, we don't see what he's doing. But when he comes home, we see the fruits of his labor. So we have to know that when we don't see God, when we don't feel God, he's there. He's doing the work. And a lot of times we don't see God, we don't feel God. We're out grasping for something that we can hold on to. And it's right there. It's not here. It's here. If your thoughts keep creeping back to that hurt, the enemy will break open the floodgates of hell when he sees the crack in the door of your soul. Um, I, w I was just in worship a little bit earlier and, you know, my thoughts kind of crept back to my mother. And uh, my mother lived with me for three and a half years. It was, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Um... But it's so awesome because, you know, when you have that hurt and you hold on to it, it shapes everything around you. So the things that you think you're doing in love, you're really not. You're doing it out of that hurt. You know, and uh, my mom came to live with me and, and it was so awesome because she helped out around the house, you know. But one thing I just, you know, one thing just didn't suit me right. You know, I felt like she wasn't saved. You know, she's living her life in the world. The condemnation that she feels, well, all this stuff going on with her. I know. Why don't I just get her saved? 
my mother needs to get saved and she needs to go to church and she needs to be here. That's the, that's the solution. But the problem with it is I was beating her. I was beating her down. You need to go to church. You need to do this. You need to be that. Because it wasn't about her. It was about me. It was like the spirit of religion was all over me. Because if I'm going to, mom, I'm getting minister, I'm getting ordained as a minister this year. You know, we need to step it up. You, you need to get your stuff together, mom. No. Mm. It's so awesome because my mom is just like, okay, Rob. Okay. Just in one ear and out the other, you know, just like, just like the rest of the people that are lost, that hear the same message. It doesn't matter if it's in your home or if it's out there on the street. You're going to hell. You need Jesus. Yeah, buddy, I'm, I'm doing just fine because if that's the Jesus that you got, then I don't want it. They're not trying to hear. They're not trying to get beat up by it. They're not trying to, you know, to see what the rest of the world sees when they step in the church. We're not trying to condemn the people. We're trying to love them out of that condemnation. It's so awesome because, again, going back to my mom, um, you know, so I didn't realize that, you know, at the time that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't saving her. I was beating her up, you know, and you have, you know, my, my, my people saying, Robin, you just need to leave her alone. She's got to, you know, she's got to do this on her own. She's got to do this on her own. Well, it wasn't until one day, you know, and it was in, it was in the burial season that, that I realized that, oh, wait a minute, because I saw this video on YouTube and it was talking about uh, a little, a woman that she, you know, she was sexually abused as a child and she lived her life out of that abuse. You know, and I'm thinking, well, it's not that extreme. I saw the extremes of that, but it wasn't that bad. But I noticed that there were some similarities that her and I had. Because, see, I was sexually abused as a child. It might not have been to that extent, you know, but being sexually abused as a child, it warps your perception on everything. And um, I just kind of felt like, you know, I saw myself in this person and said, my God, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be some fragile little, you know, I mean, just the hurt, the hurt of it all. And what the Lord was showing me is, it's because you haven't forgiven your mother. And because of that unforgiveness that you have towards her, she will never be able to move forward. And so I took that, I mean, I meditated on it all day. I mean, it was just like, not, I mean, not the video because it was really disturbing, but, you know, I meditated on the redemption of God and, and, um, you know, it allowed me to really take a step back because I had all day to think about this and the Lord was just bringing glimpses, you know, glimpses of her life through my eyes so that I can see that the things that happened to me were not her fault. I placed so much burden on my mother without even realizing it. You know, I felt like she should have protected me. I felt like she should have done this, done that, whatever. But the Lord showed me, I can't expect somebody to do something they've never learned how to do. And y'all have heard the testimony before, you know, alcoholism did not run in my family. Promiscuity did not run in my family. But my mother was an alcoholic and she was promiscuous. So I said, Lord, what, you know, what is, what is all this going on? And the Lord said, it's not alcoholism. It's not promiscuity. It's rejection. 
rejection, I can, and I can trace it back to where the Lord showed me that my great-grandfather did not know how to show love to my grandfather, in turn, to my mother. So that when that sexual abuse happened, they didn't know that love is what was going to overcome that hurt. When I took a step back and I realized that, I began to see my mother not only as my mother, but as a child of God. Not only as a child of God, but somebody who is righteous, somebody is who's forgiven, somebody is who's made whole. That was my mother. And I came to her that day and I wept. I wept to her. And I said, Mom, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? Because I have been holding this over your head for so long. I don't even know what's what anymore. And I started, um, you know, she, was, she didn't know how to take it. You know, when you, when you offer your life down, when you allow yourself to die, people don't know how to take it. The enemy is so bruised by what you just did. He's, he's, trying, he's trying to gather himself up. Okay, okay, I don't even know what's going on, but we're about to adjust and refire here. No. If you decide to lay your life down, you have to make that commitment to keep laying your life down, to keep laying your life down. And I felt the religion rise up in me. Mom, you need to go to church. You need to go to church. No, I had to step back completely because each time I had that thought, it was like, wait a minute, my mother is saved. The whole time I didn't know my mother was saved. She was saved. So I had to take a step back and realize, okay, my mother's relationship with God is not mine and mine is not hers. I can't her expect her to be where I am because the calling on her life is different. See, that's the problem. We get, I, we get caught in an identity crisis. And this is why people, you know, you see the people of God butting heads because I'm stepping into this person's calling. I'm stepping into this person's calling. And meanwhile, the people that needed me in my position are falling to the wayside because I'm not marching in my own rank. And so I took a step back because I realized I can't pastor my mom. I cannot pastor my mother. Believe me, I tried. <laughs> but it went like, eh, no. I just couldn't do it. But, I, you know, it was so awesome because my mother loved Charles Stanley. You know, and she might, you know, I started to realize that she might not, um, she might not go to church and worship the way that I do, but she would sit out on the porch and she would talk to God every morning. And I would sneak out there and I would listen to her. And it was so awesome because it's just a conversation like you and me are having. I never knew that. I never took the time to know that my mother had her own relationship with God. And what I realized is God was romancing her. But that couldn't have started until I forgave her. Because I got to tell you, she, she would wake up and she'd be like, Robin, I had this crazy dream. And it would be dreams about forgiveness to other people. So if I, and it, mainly my father, because, you know, there was a lot, there's a lot of hurt there, you know, and she would have dreams night after night about forgiveness to my father. And it was, I mean, it was just, she was just like, that's so weird, you know? And I just remember 
um, you know, her last couple months, she was just talking about, you know, this is what I want to do before I die. This is what I want to do before I die. You know, the Lord was already setting it up to woo her into the kingdom. She was already getting everything that she needed, not by me beating her up, but by me loving her. It's so beautiful. Um, so anyways, um, Psalms 91, 14 through 16. Thank you, Jesus. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It wasn't until I was able to forgive my mother that she was able to step into the kingdom of God because she was saved. But that salvation is an ongoing process. And we have to be able to lay our lives down for the salvation process to continue. Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Can you put that in the Amplified Version? Again, I, I mean, it's so the, those words are so weighty. You just got to break it down because to get a full understanding of it. Keep out of debt and owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor who practices loving others, has fulfilled the law. Practice. I like that word, practice. Because nobody's perfect. There was only one. We have to continue practicing because perfection doesn't come until the complete salvation of our soul happens and we get caught up into the heavenlies. We experience moments of it, but that's not until the coming of the King in our lives that we experience the full salvation. So we're practicing it. Has fulfilled the law relating to one's fellow men, meeting all its requirements. You have to be able to relate. Now it's not saying that, you know, I can relate to your burden and I can relate to your burden. I'm only supposed to pray for you. I'm not supposed to take on that burden because when we take on the burdens of others unknowingly, we can wreak havoc in our own lives. Psalms 133. You can do the whole, it's the whole thing. It's only a few verses. Praise God. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment poured out on the head that ran down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, the first high priest that came down upon the collar and skirts of his garments, consecrating the whole body. I want to talk about Aaron for a second here because this guy was so awesome. I really relate to him. And you, you know how 
sometimes, like I said earlier, you know, you can get caught up in other people's problems and try to fix them for them. That's what happened with Aaron. Aaron had great compassion. He had great compassion for people. But the issue was, is he hadn't consecrated himself to God. And Moses, his brother, see, it was already preordained by God for Aaron to be the speaker box because Moses was connected to God and Aaron was connected to people. And them two being connected together, you see the Holy Spirit in action. This is Old Testament. You see the Holy Spirit in action. And now we have the Holy Spirit, which is the connection to God and the connection to man. It is like the dew of the lofty Mount Hermon and the dew that comes on the hills of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing even life forevermore upon the highly, the high and the lowly. Go back to verse two real quick. I want to, the Lord had just showed me something. It is like the dew of the lofty Mount Hermon and the dew that comes on the hills of Zion. Who is Zion? Who is it? The redeemed bride of Christ. So if we have unity, Everything that God has preordained is coming upon us. The blessings of Abraham. Okay, next, go ahead. For the Lord has commanded this blessing. Even life forevermore upon the high and the lowly. I was talking to Lee about this a couple weeks ago. I was talking about, you know, you know what the kingdom of God is? Righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm extending my hand out to you and helping you to gain a relationship with Christ so that you in turn can give out your hand and extend that to somebody else who needs Christ so that they can reach out their hand, bringing the unity together. You know, the devil has so many people running around. I hate this person. I hate that person because he knows that I have what you need and you have what I need. And if we hate each other, Nobody can get anything accomplished, but you're my leg and I'm your arm and I need you and you need me. And so we're not putting expectation on people. We're placing the expectation on God for fulfillment, for accreditation. We honor God by throwing down the crown of sin and ungodliness. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18. Praise God. So come out from among, from among the unbelievers and separate, separate, sever yourselves from them, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. Then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. And I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Separate yourselves from them, from the unbelievers. You know, in the back of our head, those spots, you know, we talk about it all the time, the spots. Because that spot hasn't been redeemed by God, we are an unbeliever in that area. Like I said, nobody's perfect. We are an unbeliever in that area. And this is what the Lord showed me. 
speaking figuratively because if you're thinking on it, you're touching it, allowing the boundaries of darkness to increase because we know that our word, our thoughts, if not taken captive unto the obedience of Christ, become words. And the words become actions. And when they become actions, they are no longer in our control. We have to bring the thought captive. 2 Corinthians um, 7, 1. Now, I just read this one because we all, we, we all know that. Well, second, yeah, it says, therefore. So we know what the therefore is therefore. And it is because. Because having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all unfilthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I love this because you know what? We're loving people. We're all vessels. We're loving people. That hurt that they have is not who they truly are. It's the spirit behind the lie that they have believed and they now honor. We honor God in actions by showing love to that hurt that somebody else is experiencing. We bruise the devil and crush his works when we push past the hurt to love someone who didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it either. But if it weren't for another person, we wouldn't be in the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 6.20 Praise God. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God giving the glory to you to reach your hand out to somebody else and then the unity gives glory back to God. We're not loving the hurt. We're loving the person. Because like I said, we're not supposed to take on the burden of another. We are supposed to pray for the deliverance of another, not to take on the burden. But we are to love that person behind the hurt. You activate, you activate grace when you submit to what God is showing you. You honor God in obedience to what he is showing you, regardless of how you feel. It's not by the flesh. We read it earlier. It's not flesh and blood cannot reveal this to you. And it says the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Of course it sounds foolish. God's telling me to do this thing and it doesn't even sound like anything that, that would even remotely sound like I'm going to be delivered from. You know, but one small step in obedience, regardless of how silly it is, is leading to your deliverance. You know, it says David danced into the Lord naked. He was naked. And his wife just couldn't understand it. People don't have to understand what you're doing. You know that in your communication with God, if you're being obedient to what he's telling you, that deliverance that you're going to experience is for that same person that just laughed at you for doing what you just did. Psalms 119, 65 through 71. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. 
Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me. But I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. You see the repetitive cycle? Godly sorrow brings repentance. Repentance brings you to another revelation of who he is, and it brings you back to repentance. Salvation to salvation, faith to faith, glory to glory. People is not speaking of the people behind the hurt. It's speaking of the spirit behind the lie. The hurt perverts you into thinking it's their fault, but affliction should be pointing you to God. You should be aiming to please God. People, through God, point out the darkness, but you should count it as a blessing because if they didn't, you would continue in the cycle never knowing the truth. I praise God. You know, we all have that one person in our lives that we just, we love them. You know, and a lot of times it is the, the person that's closest to us, you know, but I really believe that, that God really sets somebody specifically in our lives to point out that darkness to test our love, <laughs> to test our love. The devil may dare, really, the devil may dare that he point out that hurt. Point it out, please, point it out. Because we're not only showing you what is going on in here, God is revealing the intent of your heart. And that's what it's about. God only accepts the praises in spirit and in truth. Right? The spirit is the spirit of truth. Right? I like what Gene says, the spirit of the truth and the truth of the spirit. The spirit of truth is I'm coming to you and I have filthy rags. I have nothing worthy to bring to you, God, but empty hands. That is the only thing that I can offer you. And the spirit of truth, God says, I don't care. You're the only one that I wanted from the beginning. I only wanted you. God honors you enough that he wants to give you a life of godly contentment. In order to have that, there are things that you have honored that need to be broken down. We honor him when we submit to the breaking down of the walls. We honor God by allowing him to remove the things that hold us back from his face. We were made to worship, to honor God. We can only begin to honor God when we seek to know him and his love for us. The power of forgiveness is in you. It starts in the heart. So I heard this song earlier and I want to play it again because it really, it really just touched me. You know, like I said, it just, you know, it brought so many, you know, so many memories back of you know, the repentance and the forgiveness and 
the first love of God. You know, so many, you know, we, we grow and we mature and, and sometimes we forget to look back where we came from. We get puffed up in pride, holier than thou, and we forget to remember where we came from. We look in disgust at that person that is so far in that sin instead of reaching up and pulling them out because somebody pulled you out of it. I don't know the name of it, but it was the second to the last song that said, everything we need is in your presence. You know what I'm talking about? Can you play that song again? I want to turn the lights down and I just, right, right now. Yeah. Yeah, the, no, the, the one that we just played. Um, because I, I want to honor God. I really want to honor God. And I know that, you know, that there are people, including myself, that have not taken the time to set apart time for God. But God wants you to know that no matter what has happened in the past, even if it was five minutes ago, there's redemption. There is redemption from that sin, even if it was 30 seconds ago. Because we're no longer looking back, we're looking forward. And moving forward, if you have a sin that keeps repeatedly coming up, God wants you to deliver it to him now because that's what deliverance is. We're not talking about laying on hands. We're talking about the full-on, utter abandonment to God because he gets the glory. So we're going to turn up the music we're going to, um, I mean, everybody stand up because I, I, this is, uh, this is something that, you know, the Lord was saying is like, it doesn't matter where you are. Repentance and salvation are constant. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Spirit of Jesus is in this place. I praise God for the redemption of sins, for the remission of sins. It means that everything that you've taken upon yourself can be taken away. That's what it's about. So we're going to lift up our hands in this place and we're just going to pray. We thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. We know, Father, that we are filthy wrecks and we have nothing to bring to you. But through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we are able to come to you through the blood and stand righteous and stand redeemed that we believe in the message of the cross, God, and that we believe that each step that we take is preordained by you and that each step that we take in obedience, you are making us whole. You are making us to be more like you in every step that we take, Father God. We give you the glory. 
We honor you, Father. We honor you, Father. We honor you, Father. We give you the glory and the honor and all the praise forever and ever. Amen.